0: I want to say thank you so much for your patience today. Uh, As I'm sure you can tell, we've been having some technical issues that we're sorting through, and so thank you for being patient. One of the things that we will be able to do is uh, get the entire service out on video a little bit later in the day so you'll have a chance if you weren't able to go through the whole thing uninterrupted today and uh, see all the video and hear the audio that'll be available for you a little bit later. Um, You know I'd I'd intended today to start off ironically by talking about how this is week four of virtual church and everybody else apparently is in the same boat right now of trying to uh, broadcast and figure out uh, ways to go about it but you know one of the things that's come out of this and I'm sure that you have seen things and heard things uh, there are lots of different memes. There are lots of different things people are talking about uh, with the church right now. But it really is the truth that one of the things that's come out of this is it's a reminder to us that the church is not a building. The church is not just a place we come and and gather. The church is the people of God. And I saw one little meme this week that showed an empty church and it said, the church is not closed. It's been deployed. There's a lot of truth to that. We have an opportunity now, maybe even more so than we did before, to go and be the church and to, uh, to be who God has called us to be. And that's especially exciting in light of next Sunday being Easter Sunday and, and uh, Holy Week and all that will be going on this week. And by the way, we have the opportunity to follow through. If you're following along with us, we'll have some readings and some postings of people reading different passages each day of the week leading up to Easter. So lots of exciting stuff happening this week to prepare us for such a big day. Um, but you know, this is an opportunity for us to go and communicate the good news. And so several, probably a couple months ago, maybe longer than that, uh, when we first started talking about Easter and planning for what Easter would be like and what we would be focusing on as a theme for Easter Sunday, what we settled on was we wanted to encourage our people to take the good news and go and spread the good news, especially uh, in preparation for Easter Sunday. And today is a day that normally would be one of our busiest days of the year, one of our most crowded days of the year. It's the day that our children's ministry puts on our extravaganza program. And of course we weren't able to do that with everything that's been going on. But 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 just looking at that, and I've been excited about, okay, we get to talk to larger than normal crowds about the importance of going and communicating this good news. But I think we have the opportunity to do that because one of the things that we're finding is that our, our impact and our touch is, is expanding more through the video messages, even than when we were uh, meeting here together and so I want to encourage you today as we jump into this message is to, to join me in the excitement that we have at the opportunity to go and share the good news. See, here's what I believe is going to happen this Easter. I believe with all my heart that this Easter Sunday there will be more people hearing the gospel at one time than has ever happened in, in the history of of. of just anything we've ever seen in the church. And I believe that we're going to see a movement of God that that rivals what we saw in the book of Acts. And just when God is working and was moving powerfully there, I believe that's going to happen this Easter for two reasons. One, everybody's at home. And, And so Easter Sunday, people will be tuning in to worship services. But number two, and maybe even more important than that, is we have been reminded lately that we live at a time where a lot of people are losing hope. A lot of people have a lot of doubts and a lot of questions that are unanswered. And we have the opportunity to share hope. We have the opportunity to provide the answer that Christ is for us. And so I'm excited about that. I hope you're excited about it. I want to, to uh, encourage us today and to just take a look at some scripture that reminds us of the privilege and opportunity and responsibility we have to share the good news. And so I'm in the book of John today. John chapter 1, and uh, we'll start reading here in verse 40 in just a moment, but let me just kind of set the background just a little bit. In John chapter 1, we're introduced to John the Baptist. This is not the same John. This is not John the Apostle who wrote this book. This is John who came to baptize uh, in advance of the coming of Jesus. And we see in verse 29 that he says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world when he saw Jesus. Again, in verse 35, he says basically the same thing. It says, uh, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And so John has been pointing even his own disciples toward Jesus. Now, let's pick it up with that in mind in verse 40. Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So you get this picture, right? Andrew is one of the disciples of John the Baptist. He has heard John talk about Jesus and point toward Jesus and call him the Lamb of God. And so Andrew goes directly to Jesus and he asks him a question. His question is, Rabbi, where are you staying? Here's what he was getting at. He was more or less saying, hey, can I come with you? And the answer that Jesus gives him is, hey, why don't you come and see? Absolutely, you're welcome to come. And so Andrew goes and, and, he, and he spends some time with Jesus and he gets to know Jesus. And then it says that after he gets to know who Jesus is, the very first thing he did was to go and find his brother, Simon, and to bring his brother and introduce his brother to Jesus. And so today I want to talk about a couple of different things. I want to talk about two motivations that we have for sharing the good news. And then I want to talk about a couple of strategies or just kind of some practical principles of of how do we go about this. Here's the first motivation. The first motivation for us sharing Christ is experiencing intimacy with Jesus. When we really get to know Jesus on a personal level, then we can't help but to want to introduce others to him. And that's what we see happening here with Andrew. Now there's a big difference between just knowing about Jesus and coming to know Jesus. Verse 39 tells us, which is right before where I picked up reading a moment ago, but verse 39 tells us that Andrew spent the day with Jesus. So he's gone from... Being in a place where he's heard about Jesus, because at least on two occasions that are recorded here in John's Gospel, John the Baptist, who Andrew was a disciple of, has talked about the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. So Andrew has heard about Jesus, but now he has come to know him in a personal way. He's spent the day with Jesus, and he's come to the conclusion that he shares with his brother in verse 41 when it says, we have found the Messiah. You know, as I read this, it just made me think how important it is for us to understand the difference between hearing about Jesus and coming to know him personally. Maybe you have heard of Jesus, much like Andrew had heard of Jesus before actually going and spending time with him. Maybe you've grown up in church. Maybe you have Christian parents or grandparents or maybe a a friend. Maybe uh, there's a family that, that you grew up with that would tell you about Christ because it was important to them, but maybe it wasn't in your family. Whatever the case may be, maybe you've heard about Jesus. In fact, maybe you know a lot about Jesus. Maybe you know more about the Bible than most Sunday school teachers. Maybe you could describe to somebody exactly how a person could come to trust in Jesus themselves, but but maybe you've never made that decision for yourself. Maybe everything so far has just been knowledge about Christ, not getting to know him personally. And if that's the case for you today, can I just encourage you and urge you to take a step past just hearing about Jesus and to come to know Him yourself. Get to know Him on a personal level because Jesus is a real person and you and I can have a real relationship with Him. If you haven't yet taken that step, let me just encourage you to do something right now. If you know that you want to trust in Christ, I know Easter Sunday's coming next week and we're going to talk about that a lot, but why put it off? In fact, here's what I'd encourage you to do. Take the volume button on whatever device you're listening to right now, turn the volume down, and just take a moment and pray and say, Jesus, I want to trust in you right now. I want to give my life to you. I believe that you died on the cross, that you rose from the dead. And if you're ready to pray that prayer, just stop right here in the middle of everything. Stop and do that. But you know, once we, once we do make that decision um, and we come to know Jesus personally, the most natural thing in the world is to want to share it with somebody else. That's, that's what happened with Andrew. and In fact, Andrew's not the only one. If we read just a little bit further in verse 43 and following, it talks about Philip and Nathaniel. Philip had the same thing happen to him. Jesus called Philip out and, and, and Philip came and, and followed Jesus and got to know Jesus in a personal way. And the first thing Philip did was he went and found, found his friend Nathaniel, and he shared the gospel with him just like Andrew did with his brother Simon. And so that, that's the first thing that I want us to see is that um, it motivates us to share the good news. And by the way, if you already do have a relationship with Christ, let me encourage you right now, especially to take advantage of the opportunity that you have to go deeper in that relationship. See, most of us have a little bit more time on our hands right now. We have uh, fewer distractions. There aren't as many things that we're able to be involved with. All of us, certainly are in the same boat of realizing that things are out of our control, that are out of our hands, this is a great time for us to dive deeper into that relationship with Christ. It's a great time to spend more time in scriptures. It's a great time to maybe go about beginning to memorize some scripture, maybe read a book on prayer or some type of spiritual discipline that you want to focus on. But take advantage. Maybe it's, it's to reach out to somebody and say, hey, uh, would you disciple me help me grow in my faith and maybe we can set up a call each week or whatever it may be but but take advantage of the opportunity that we have right now to go deeper in our faith if you already have that relationship and i'm going to tell you what happens the deeper we go in our relationship with christ the more we we want to share that with people around us so the first motivation is just intimacy with jesus but the second one is seeing jesus change lives Because when you see Jesus change lives, starting with your own, but then you see him doing that for other people, then man, the most natural thing is to say, I I, I want to share this good news. I want other people to come to know what I have come to know. And, And I love the way we see Jesus speaking into the life of this man named Simon from the very beginning. Did you catch what's happening here? Andrew brings his brother Simon to Jesus. And before they've even you know, said hello. I started to say before they've had a handshake, maybe before they've, you know, done an air high five. Now we'll put it in, in context for us today. But, but they haven't even spoken yet. They really haven't even met yet. And the very first thing that Jesus says, it says Jesus looked at him, which I love that too. You know, I mean, he's, he's making eye contact with him. And can't you just imagine Jesus just looking you square in the eye and saying this? He says, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas which when translated is Peter. See, Jesus looks right at him, and he already knows him, which I love that. He already knows his name, but not only does he know his name from the very beginning, before Peter has even had the chance to say, hello, nice to meet you, anything else, Jesus has already said, this is who you are, but let me tell you who you're going to be. And that's good stuff. God sees in you Not just who you are right now, but when you come to Christ, He sees who you can become. And He knows what His plan is from that very beginning point. And when we really believe that and we believe that the people that I can bring and introduce to Jesus, that they're going to have the opportunity to have something called out in them and for God to say, let me tell you not just who you are right now, but let me tell you who you can be. Man, that's that's a big motivator to, to want to bring the people that we know to Christ. So Jesus looks at, at Simon and he tells him, I know your name, and right now his name was Simon. You know what the name Simon means in Greek? It means he listens. That's, that's a pretty good name, right? To have the name Simon, and of course in biblical days, names all had a meaning behind them. Simon's a pretty good name. Parents, how would you like to have a child whose name means he listens? Some of you are going to rename your child Simon right now. You're going to get the birth certificate. It's like, I'm going to change this because I want a name that says my child listens. That's a good name. But Jesus gave him an even better name. Jesus said, right now your name is he listens, but let me tell you what your name is about to be. And he gives him this name Cephas, which by the way is is the Aramaic. That translated into Greek becomes Peter your name is going to be Cephas or Peter, and that means stone. Here's what Jesus was saying to him. He says, right now you're one who listens, but you are going to become one who is a solid rock. That's who I see you to be, Simon. And I love this because this is so far from Simon's natural personality. I mean, this is the guy who was impetuous. This is the guy who would always speak before he thought. This is the guy that would make great claims and sometimes not be able to back them up. I mean, he's the one that when he was in the boat, Jesus is walking on the water. Who's the first one to blurt it out? Hey, if that's you, Lord, call us and I'll come out to you. And he actually does for a little while. And he actually comes out and he begins walking on the water. And then he realizes, wait a minute, I'm walking on the water. And there's winds blowing everywhere. There's waves everywhere. He freaks out, takes his eyes off Jesus. He starts to sink. This is the guy that when Jesus came to his disciples and he wanted to wash their feet because he wanted to teach them a powerful lesson about the importance of servant leadership. And he comes to Peter. And what does Peter say to him? He's like, no, Lord, you'll never wash my feet. Uh, This is, is is the one that, uh, that, that rebuked Jesus. When Jesus was talking about his impending death and he's like, that'll never happen to you. And Jesus had to say to him, get behind me, Satan, because you have in mind the things of men, not the things of God. This is the guy that when all the people started just, just saying, Jesus, I will never forsake you. Jesus said that, that all of you are going to fall away. Who is the one? Peter's the one that says, Lord, if everybody else falls away, I never will. And Jesus had to look at him and say, Peter, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And that's exactly what happened. I'm going to tell you right now that in his natural self, solid rock <laughs> is not who Peter was. You see, Jesus saw beyond who he was in his own ability and he saw who he could become. Because after Jesus' death and after the resurrection and when the disciples waited for the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 and the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples and they receive this power to go and be his witnesses and now Peter is completely transformed and now he really does become who Jesus said all along that he would be. He becomes the rock. He becomes the central figure in the early church. See, Jesus saw all of that from the very beginning and he sees the same thing in you. From the very beginning, Jesus knows not just where we are, but where we can go. See, the sad reality is for some, maybe you've been called a lot of different names through your life. Maybe you've been told that you're stupid. You've been told that you're ugly. You've been told that you're incompetent. You've been told that you're a mistake. There are all kinds of names that people around us can give us. But when we come to Christ, he gives us a new name. And that new name is based not on who we are or who other people think we are. It's based on who he knows that we can become. That's exciting stuff. That's a motivator to me to say this is an opportunity for me to share the good news with somebody that that Christ is going to be able to speak into their life and change them from this point forward. So being motivated is a good thing, but it's not enough. We also need a strategy. How do you go about it? I mean, we can get all fired up. I want to share my faith, but if I don't know what to do or where to start, then I'm in trouble. So let me offer two suggestions. The first one is this. Start with your sphere of influence. That's what Andrew did and that's what Philip did. Andrew found his brother, Philip found his friend. These are people that were close to them and he said, let's start right here and let me take those that I have influence over and and allow me to, to introduce them to Jesus. So let me ask you just a really simple but a powerful question. How are you stewarding your sphere of influence? See, God has given you influence with different groups of people. If you have a family, certainly it begins right there. You have influence with your family. If you work in a job with other people, that is a sphere of influence. Your neighborhood is a sphere, potential sphere of influence. The things that you're involved with, whether it's hobbies or sports teams or activities or clubs or whatever it may be, uh, students in your school, that is certainly a huge one. How are you doing stewarding? your sphere of influence, are you really managing that in a way that, that is taking advantage of the opportunities that you have to point other people to Christ? Or are there people in your sphere of influence that have never really directly heard you speak to them about Christ and who he is and how he can change their life? We need to start right there. My favorite story of somebody who understood the power of his sphere of influence is about a guy by the name of Edward Kimball. Mr. Kimball taught a boys' Sunday school class at Mount Vernon Congregational Church in Boston. And uh, one day he had a a new student that was brought into his boys' Sunday school class. And this young man named Dwight was, was introduced to Mr. Kimball and he handed him a Bible. It was a closed Bible. And he told Dwight, he said, our lesson for today is in the book of John. Dwight sat down with his Bible, he opened his Bible, and he just kind of started nervously fumbling through his Bible. And it became very clear to Mr. Kimball and actually to the other students in the class as well as they kind of shot looks at each other, it became very clear that Dwight had no idea where to find the book of John. Well, he was sensitive to this and didn't want this young man to be embarrassed, so he took his Bible that was open to John already. He gave it to Dwight. He took the closed Bible, opened it up, and used that the rest of the morning to teach his lesson. And he thought that he had done so in such a way that Dwight wasn't aware that that anybody else noticed what was going on. Uh, But he certainly did. In fact, he he would later say, that uh, that this fellow who had stuck by him he said he, that, that he would stick by the fellow who had stuck by him and helped him out like that and so with that one simple act of kindness Kimball uh, brought this young man into his sphere of influence Well, he was burdened for him because he knew that he had really no background. He didn't know uh, much of anything about who Jesus was. And so he determined to go and see him. And, and, And by the way, he was one of these Sunday school teachers, which every single one of us would love to have. And this is still true today that viewed his responsibility as going far beyond just what he did in a classroom on Sunday morning. He wanted to be involved in the lives of his students. He wanted to go visit them. He wanted to know how he could encourage them. And certainly those that didn't know Christ, he wanted to share the gospel with them. And so he made up his mind that he would go and, and, and to, to Dwight's place of work and he would share the gospel with him. And he did. And I, I want you to listen to, this is in his own words. This is how he recorded what took place. I started down to Holton's Shoe Store. When I was nearly there, I began to wonder whether I ought to go just then during business hours, and I thought that maybe my mission might embarrass the boy, that when I went away, the other clerks might ask who I was, and when they learned, might taunt him and ask if I was trying to make a good boy out of him. While I was wondering over it all, I passed the store without noticing it. Then when I found I'd gone by the door, I determined to make a dash for it and have it over at once. I found Dwight in the back part of the store wrapping up shoes and paper and putting them on shelves. I went up to him and put my hand on his shoulder and as I leaned over, I placed my foot upon a shoe box. Then I made my plea and I feel that it was really a very weak one. I don't know just what words I used nor could Dwight tell. I simply told him of Christ's love for him and the love Christ wanted in return. That was all there was of it. I think he said afterward that there were tears in my eyes. It seemed that the young man was just ready for the light that then broke upon him, for there at once in the back of that shoe store in Boston, the future great evangelist gave himself and his life to Christ. That future evangelist was none other than Dwight L. Moody. His beginnings as a Christian were were a little shaky. Uh, In fact, he was told when he applied for membership of his church, they asked him a simple question, uh, what has Christ done for him? And his answer was, uh, he wasn't aware of anything in particular. He struggled early on. But once he came to know Christ, uh, he became one of the most powerful preachers of his day. Uh, Mr. Moody never progressed past a fifth grade education. He was never ordained as a minister of the gospel. And yet by some accounts, through his revival crusades, he led as many as a million people to faith in Christ. And all of that can be traced back to a simple Sunday school teacher that had a burden for one of his classmates that didn't know Jesus. You never know when you start sharing the good news within your circle of influence, within that sphere of influence, just who you might reach. Maybe there's somebody that's a part of your family. Maybe it's a next-door neighbor, a co-worker, somebody that you know that God has big, big plans for. He's waiting for someone to share the gospel. And that person may be as ready to respond as as Moody was at that time. You know, when Philip shared the gospel with, uh, with his friend Nathaniel, Nathaniel's initial response wasn't a very positive one. In fact, he invited him to come meet Jesus of Nazareth and the the response that Nathanael gave was, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? You know what Philip's response was? One simple little phrase, he said, come and see, come and see. See, our job is simply to invite people to come and see. That's the second strategy I want to give for you today. Just invite people to come and see. In other words, it isn't our job to convert anyone. Our job is simply to make an effort to introduce them to Jesus. Now the people that you seek to reach out to might have questions. There there is a place for us, as 1 Peter 3.15 says, to be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks us to give the reason for the hope that we have. We, we, there's a place for apologetics, there's a place for understanding our faith, but guys, there's also a place for just saying, hey, why don't you just come and see? Why don't you check it out for yourself? Now, I, I know things are a little bit different today because we can't physically take a person to Jesus and, you know, in the flesh introduce them, but we can certainly share our story, we can share who He is in our lives. We can certainly point them toward the Bible I believe one of the most powerful things we can do if a person shows any interest at all is to point them toward the Gospels and encourage them to read the Gospels and in fact offer to say, hey, why don't I read the same place you are and we'll, we'll discuss it. We'll talk about what we're seeing and what we're reading because there's power in that. We just, we, we just need to point people to Jesus. Let me remind you again, say this again, it isn't your job to convert anyone. We can't do that. Only God can do that. But we never know when God might be stirring in the heart of somebody and preparing a person to respond. The story I shared a moment ago about Mr. Kimball, he said, first of all, did you notice he said, I just wanted to get it over with. <laughs> it was this, you know, I know that I need to do this. I'm nervous about it. I'm second guessing it. I don't know if the timing is right. I mean, you ever been there? Oh, this probably isn't a good idea. This could happen. That could happen. We play all these things up in our mind and convince ourselves of all these reasons why we shouldn't share our faith. He just said, I'm just going to do it. And he did it. And he said, I didn't do a very good job of it. But God had prepared this young man. And he was ready to respond. See, we never know. We never know where God might prepare. If you share your faith with somebody and it's a closed door, it's a closed door. It's okay. It's not a reflection on us. It's not a failure. Our job is simply to be faithful, to share the good news. You know, we just never know who God might be putting in our path and what opportunities we might have to point others toward Christ. So, especially this week leading into Easter, I want to encourage you with this be creative in how you come up with ways to share your faith. It has to look a little bit different now, right? But you can be creative. You can maybe create social media posts. You can certainly share posts from the church. You can maybe it's to share your, your story, your testimony. I don't know what it is. Just be creative and find ways to share your faith and, and, and do that. One of the ways that we want to resource you to do that in a way to, to be creative is by providing just a little packet that we're actually going to use in the Easter online service next Sunday. Uh, and we're encouraging you to come pick one of those up for yourself, but then another one to take to a friend. And drop those off. And by the way, between 1230 and 1:30, and five and six today, either of those time windows will be here ready to hand those out to you. But we're going to encourage you to be thinking about who can I invite to church, drop it at their door, and then call them and say, hey, this is what this is all about. Why don't you tune in with us on Easter Sunday? And we'd love to have you be a part uh, of, of what we're doing. See, again, I think this is an unprecedented opportunity. I believe we're going to see God work in powerful, powerful ways this week leading up to Easter Sunday. This is a unique time in the history uh, of of our country, in the history of our world, where so many people are are just looking for hope. So many people are desperately searching for answers. And we might not have all the answers to coronavirus, but we have the answers to the the ultimate questions of life. What is the purpose of life? How do I find meaning? How do I know when this life is over? What will happen to me after that? We have the answer for that. Those answers are found in Christ. And we have the opportunity to share that with people around us. Let's pray. Father, today I do pray that you would give us boldness. I pray that you would fill us, Lord, with a creative spirit. Right now it's difficult to know what we can do. We can't bring somebody to church with us, but Lord, we can invite them. We can share our story. We can, I just pray that that we get creative in how we go about that. And Lord, thank you that you've entrusted this good news to us. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Today, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, because I know this is an area that most of us struggle. I believe that God is convicting us with the the need to take a step of boldness this week in sharing our faith. So here's what I want to encourage you to do if there's a next step for you. uh, I want to encourage you to let us know. Obviously, you can't come and pray with somebody physically here, but we would love to know how we can pray for you. And a simple way that you can do that, just text the word RESPONSE. You see the number on your screen there, Uh, 469-577-1112. Just text the word RESPONSE. Send you back just a quick little form you can fill out and say, this is what God has put on my heart today. And we'd love to know that so that we can know how we can pray for you. If your response today is to trust in Christ for the very first time, I especially want to encourage you to let us know that. If you have questions about what it means to know Jesus, maybe to move from hearing about Jesus to actually knowing him, having intimacy with Christ, you're not sure what to do, let us help you. We would love to help you through that process. If there's something else that God has placed on your heart today, we want to know about it. We just want to know so we can pray for you, so that we can encourage you and and help you along in that journey. So be thinking about people you can reach out to this week. Now, before we wrap it up, I'm going to have Stephen come here in just a moment. Let me just encourage you again uh, as we come to the portion of our service where we normally take up our offering. I just again want to say thank you for the support that you're giving. And you can give electronically, you can give online and there are different, different options for that as you can see as well. Um, but we also, I want to say this, I know a lot of our people are starting to struggle and losing jobs and things like that. I would like to know if there are some particular needs that we can come alongside and pray with you about. Uh, so just text us. Or, or, or send us a prayer on that so that we can know how to do that. But again, thank you for your support and helping us continue on during a, a very uncertain time.